This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. How many of you remember New Year's Eve 2019? New Year's Eve 2019. How many of you remember that? I mean, everybody in the world had the same idea for 2020. We all started at New Year's Eve 2019. Everybody was so optimistic. We were all so excited. And then we all, we all had this vision for 2020. Dad joke's got to make it in there every once in a while. Come on. And I want to talk to you today about how we're going to handle disappointment. And it's an interesting Christmas Eve message because, you know, a lot of us, we think back to those moments where we were on like this mountaintop. We were really excited. And then there was a, uh, some, some things that happened in our life and they were big disappointments. And if we aren't careful and we, we don't move forward learning how to handle these disappointments, we take our wrong ideas and maybe our bad thinking into the next year. And then we spend all the 21 days of prayer and fasting trying to ask God to change our mind from our bad ideas from last year. What I want to do is set us up today to learn how to handle disappointment, as a lot of us have gone through some this year. If I ask you to raise your hands, there's been something we've all been disappointed by this year. And we don't rank our disappointments, we don't do anything like that, but there's something that you and I could remember being disappointed by, and for some of us in the room, we were disappointed in in some ways, we feel like by God himself. And some of you right now may feel like God has let you down. You might feel like God has let you down in some area, and it could be that you've done everything you can to raise your kids in the way that you thought was wise, and now you've got a child making decisions that's upsetting, and you don't know what to do. It might be that you didn't plan on homeschooling like ever and now, and you're in a very complicated season of wondering should I, put, should I leave my kids in public school if they keep getting crazy? It might be that you had dreams to have a great marriage one day and you didn't plan on being single. Or you're married and you never thought your marriage would end up like it is now. And maybe you didn't plan on battling depression. Maybe you didn't plan on battling anxiety. And maybe you didn't plan on having Christmas this year without that seat filled at the table. What do you do when you feel disappointed by God? And it's okay to ask that. God's not offended by you and your questions. And today's an important message as we begin 2024. And I know we have one more service left in this year, uh, next Sunday. But what we're going to do today is look at Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, perhaps the most powerful version, in my opinion, of the Christmas story the birth of Jesus Christ. To give you context in Luke chapter 2, there's been 400 years. Remember, we talked about last week the intertestamental period, that there were 400 years from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew where there are no writings, nothing. A lot of scholars call it the silent era. There was no written record of God saying or doing anything in 400 years. But we learned last week that that was just not true. It's just not what scholars are looking at. As, as what is truth or fact. But we see that God was working, but these, the, the Jews had not heard from God for 400 years. And then there's these shepherds in a field taking care of some sheep, and an angel of the Lord 
appears to these shepherds. So God hasn't talked for 400 years, and then he decides to hang out with some dudes that smell like sheep manure, and he says this in Luke chapter 2, do not be afraid. Glad he let off with that. I mean, if you saw a rando angel in a field, that's a good thing to start with. Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, if you were a Jew and someone showed up and told you the Messiah has been born, that is the greatest news you could ever hear or receive. And what I love about this is if we needed advice, God would have sent us a counselor. If we needed education, God would have sent a teacher alone. If we needed laws, he would have sent a politician But we needed forgiveness, we needed hope, we needed healing, so God sent our Savior. And somebody say a big, loud amen to that truth today. Verse 12, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So a sign is just something that conveys a message. It conveys a meaning. The sign that God sent was not what we would have expected. God didn't send a king in a palace dressed in purple linen with a glowing halo floating above his head. He sent a baby born in a hollowed-out cave. I wonder if you and I could think for a minute that our faith has confounded the wise for thousands of years. And it doesn't make sense to our mind that God would send a baby and birth him into homelessness to be born next to farm animals. And there's still people thinking they're looking for the Messiah today. But there was a, a, there, the thing that they were looking for was not what they received. And so many are still wondering today, where is the Messiah? Luke chapter 2, 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of other angels, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased with. Peace on earth. Somebody say peace. Peace. But what are we going to see next year? Is it going to be the same thing you've always seen? Does next year hold more disappointment for you than you could have ever imagined? And what are you going to do if it does? What if next year is our proverbial 2020? What if next year you lose that job you worked so hard for to get? What if next year uh, you, you end up having to move homes and downsize? What if next year the job you're working for is no longer offered to you? What if... Next year, something happens with you physically. We have to ask, what do we do when we're disappointed by God? And I would love to stand up here and say, next year, I mean, come on, everybody. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you're like, I don't know what that means. And we quote scripture out of context and rile ourselves up. And then when disappointment comes at us, we're like, why didn't the scripture work? Number one, it was out of context. Number two... We have to understand that that's not a magic trick. We have to, under, we have to ask ourselves, why do, what do I do when you're disappointed, when I'm disappointed by God? That's the title of today, when you're disappointed by God. So put your hand over your heart. Father, we ask today, by the power of your spirit, 
that the truth of your word would comfort so many people that are hurting, that we would find comfort in the good news and the power of your presence. Open our hearts and minds today to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, let's look at the heart-wrenching story. If you're a Christian or maybe even not a Christian in the room, you're probably familiar with the story about a young couple that navigates what it feels like to have betrayal, deceit, and intense relational devastation. And I don't want you to hear this story like you've heard it a hundred times before. I want you to try to imagine that these are very real people that had dreams and hopes and aspirations just like you do in your life. And we're going to watch as this young couple, Mary and Joseph, are unfairly criticized, hated, shamed, and humiliated. There's a traumatic birth followed by a nightmare. They're having to run as fugitives from Herod, all because they were trying to do what God told them to do. Now let's modernize it. Joe proposes on Bethlehem Bridge. This Instagram photo is going to be incredible. The lock that he put on the bridge with their initials etched in it. He had big plans. They were going to get married in May. They were going to honeymoon at an all-inclusive resort in Rome. They were going to pay off Joe's trade school loan, have an apartment for two years, and save to build a starter home in a nice suburban neighborhood in northern Naz. They were going to expand his carpentry business and then start having babies. They had plans just like you and I have in our life, and God interrupted those plans with the most complicated, untimely, inconvenient, and unfair assignment. An angel appears to Mary, which most scholars agree was 14 or 15 years old. An angel appears to Mary and says, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be the Savior of the world. And she, ha- she looks on and has to be thinking, hey, angel man, I- I'm a a virgin like Joe and I played it straight. How's this even possible? The angel says, the child will be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And Mary makes the most beautiful, powerful, trusting submission to her God. And she says, may it be done unto me according to your word. The Magnificat, that whole prayer. Mary is on a spiritual high and can't wait to go tell her future husband, Joe's going to be so excited when I tell him. (laughs) Joe, you're not going to believe it. You're really not. I had the most powerful prayer time with God this morning. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Joe. He would be devastated and hurt. This puts Jerry Springer on his heels. I mean, he's got nothing on this story. But first of all, she says, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So not only is she a liar, she's a cheater. But she's also crazy. Imagine your fiance comes in the room and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but the Holy Ghost did it. How are you going to feel about that? Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 19. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary 
was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, wait a minute. Why would he have to divorce her if they're not married? They're just engaged. Well, in Hebrew culture, marriage was two stages. There was the kiddushin and the chuppah. I just like that word a lot. Engaged, the, the kiddushin, a binding contract. The ceremony was later. It was so serious, the engagement was so serious that if the husband died, if the man died, the woman was considered a widow even though they hadn't had the ceremony. Imagine you're still picking colors. Mary's pregnant and Joe knows they've never been intimate. He's crushed. He's humiliated. The invitations are out. He's ready to call off the engagement. Worse than public humiliation, there was personal betrayal. He trusted Mary. He loved her. He planned to spend the rest of his life with her. Now what? Imagine Mary, 14, 15 years old, didn't do anything wrong, was doing everything right, she knows he's considering divorce. Imagine the breakdown. God, I said yes to you. Now Joseph hates me. Everybody is looking at me. Everybody knows. Why did you leave me? This isn't what I planned. Is there anyone who has something in their year this year that you didn't plan? Something happened. You disappointed, a plan that you had that seemed like in your mind the greatest plan ever turned out to be a major embarrassment. Plans maybe to go back to school. Plans maybe to be married by now. Plans maybe to have a baby and you can't conceive or you did conceive and you lost the child. It isn't what you wanted. You certainly wouldn't have planned it God, I don't understand. I want to give you two truths to help you when you don't understand. It's going to be something that I hope that you carry into 2024. Because, you know, we're all praying that there's not another global thing. But it could be something that hits closer to home. It could be something different. It could be a disappointment. I'm, we're all hoping that's not the case, but... What if? What do we do when we are hit with disappointment? Truth number one, you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose in it. You don't have to understand it. Proverbs 19 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I, I thank God that my plans, my opinions, and my disappointments can't stop God's purpose. Somebody say amen to that. I got plans, you've got plans. Mary Joseph had plans and their plans were wrecked. Matthew 1:20, but after Joseph had considered the divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
What is he talking about? Guys, God was doing something in the middle of what looked like a horrible mess. What looked like a complete betrayal, complete backstabbing, lies. Everything you planned seemed like it was over. What looked like that God was doing something in the middle of that horrible mess. And Kelly and I relate to that very closely, and that's how this church was born. It's in the middle of a dark, disgusting mess. God was doing something bigger than we would have ever dreamed. Now, I wonder what you're going through right now that seems like a complete disappointment, and you're mad at God, and you're mad at the people that are trying to bring you to church, and you're trying to run from it, and you keep getting reminders you show up here today, I'm telling you, God is doing something in the middle of the disappointment. Somebody say amen to that. Truth number two, your disappointment with God might actually be a divine appointment from God. Your disappointment with him might actually be divine. God always has a purpose in pain. You've had some things not go according to plan. Your disappointment with God might actually be that divine appointment. If things, for Landon, if things had gone according to my plan, I wouldn't be preaching the eighth Christmas Eve season of this church. We wouldn't know each other, and we wouldn't all be here together. I'd still be Schertz's, I'd be Schertz's oldest youth pastor if I had had my way. Mary and Joseph were trying to figure things out. What are we going to do? They just started to get things together. Joseph's like, all right, God talked to me, God talked to you, we're going to stick together. And then Caesar Augustus issues a stupid decree. Anyone feel like you're starting to get your act together and then they raise gas prices and eggs are $9 million and the government shows up and says, glad your life is good, here's some pain. Caesar Augustus says, you gotta, everyone has to go back to their hometown and do a census or you'll be thrown in jail, which was incredibly inconvenient <laughs> for them at this time. You'll often see like in a little kid's Bible or a little kid's book, it's like a cute little barely pregnant Mary and a, just a handsome debonair, like not tired at all Joseph and the happiest donkey you've ever seen, and they're just happily trotting back home for the census. I don't know about you, but donkeys are mean. They're not comfortable, and they've just gone through the most traumatic events of their life. Let me try to give you some insight. It's a, it was a 90-mile trip from where they were to where they needed to be. 90 miles on the back of a donkey. It was a grueling trip. It would have taken over two weeks time. Joseph was taking off work, no work, no pay. So because the government forced him to do something, he's not making any money. He has a brand new wife and a baby about to be born and now they've gotta go back home. He's protecting his, his, his pregnant wife-to-be. They're traveling through the Judean desert. It would have been hot in the day and almost freezing or below freezing at night. They had to go through the most terrifying 
patch of the Judean Judean desert. It was the valley of the Jordan River. It was heavily forested in that area, and there were robbers and pirates waiting for people like Joe and Mary. It was very common also that most people didn't make it through that valley just because of the wildlife in the area. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes we barely survive a road trip to Dallas in an air-conditioned leather-seated vehicle with a Bucky's on the way. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. They finally get to Nazareth. There's no hotels.com. There's not even a gross Airbnb. Over a week on a donkey's back, no saddle. Mary's having contractions. Joseph freaks out, negotiates a deal with the guy for his barn. It was not a shiplap barn dominium either. Horrible circumstances. Dirty shepherds, they're wanting to hold your baby. It was just super creepy. And think about it. No income. Your first baby's born. Everyone's whispering behind your back. You know that you're being shamed, and now you're literally on the run, all because you did what God asked you to do. Peace on earth? Sounds like hell on earth to me. Anybody feel the same? Like, that doesn't sound like the blessing of the Lord, the TV preacher told me I'd have. That doesn't sound, doesn't sound like what they told me I'd get. It doesn't sound like my prayers work. It doesn't sound like Fast forward 33 years. Mary's at the cross. The girl who three decades earlier said yes. Looks up at her son. He's stripped naked. Doesn't even look human. His face is disfigured. He's severely beaten, the Bible says, beyond human recognition. Most scholars say how he was even alive by the time they nailed him to the cross, nobody knows. Simply because of the amount of blood loss from being whipped with a cat of nine tails, he would have died in the court. How he made it through and how he carried his own cross, nobody understands. But we know it's a supernatural assignment. He had to make it to the cross. And while the creation is mocking God in flesh, Jesus looks up and says, God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he lifts his head towards heaven and says, Father, I did what you sent me to do. It's finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And the mother of Jesus who said yes to God watches her baby boy die. You don't have to understand the plan to know that God has a purpose. If Mary had gotten what she wanted, you and I would be destined for hell. Billions of people wouldn't be able to have salvation. And when you know God and you love him, when you have faith in him, when you, when you understand his character, when you realize just how much he loves you and has a plan for you to bless you with good gifts. And even though you have so many plans, his purpose, his will, 
His will will always prevail. And you don't have to understand a plan to trust that God has a purpose. I mean, the story of Christmas, nobody could have written that. God becoming a man? For what reason? Conceived by the Holy Spirit, wrapped in a bunch of blankets, born where he was born, on the run from Herod, trying to not go to jail, trying to keep your baby safe. See, Mary and Joseph had a plan. I had a plan. You have a plan. But God has a purpose. And the good news is, you were that purpose. You were. You were the plan all along. Because Mary gave birth to a son, and she named him Jesus. And he saved people from their sin. What did we need? We needed forgiveness. We needed healing. We needed hope. And that's why God sent a Savior. And his name is, say it out loud, Jesus. He was born of a virgin, so he didn't inherit the earthly sin nature of his father. He was called the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, the one who never, ever sinned so he could give his life in our place that we could experience the peace of God. And even when life doesn't go as you want, there can be peace from heaven. And it's not just a concept. It's not a magic trick. It's not a cosmic idea. It is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Accepting him is the only way to have peace on earth. God's purpose came to pass through all of the disappointment and pain. And in the middle of your pain right now, God sent you to an elementary school cafeteria to hear this message. You could have been anywhere today. And God brought you to a cafeteria in a city no one can spell <laughs> to hear about peace. His ways are always perfect. His ways are always good. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose, and it was you. Somebody say it was me. So in the middle of the pain, I pray that you find good news and great joy, like the verse said at the beginning. This is what the word gospel means. It just means good news. We pray that you find that good news today, and you have a joy in your heart that you, you could not have bought enough, received enough gifts, or had enough. It's a supernatural peace. So if you've been missing it, the opportunity to receive it is here today. And Father, today we ask that you would do a work in so many hearts. God, do a work in so many hearts today. 
And as you're praying and reflecting with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you might be experiencing some real disappointment this year. And you need some comfort from the presence of God. If you're going through something right now or even just this year and, and you know that this message was helpful or, or really written just for you, there's something going on in your life and you need some peace. Would you raise your hand right now? Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand. Amen, 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 amen. Every head bowed and every eye still closed. If you and I just sat down and had a very real, honest conversation and we talked about spiritual things, I might ask you, where do you stand with God? And there's some of you that might say, I'm not really sure, to be honest, Landon. I don't, I don't really know. I just came here so Grandma would stop bugging me. I don't really know. Or you might say, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm really, really trying. And, but it's been really hard this year. Let me tell you as clearly as I can about how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus. He didn't shout how much he loved you. He showed how much he loves you. By Jesus coming to earth, you're the one he's been looking for. Even though you've tried to run, even though all the sins that have been committed, even through all the frustration, aggravation, questioning God, yelling at God, mad at God, running from church, running from God's people, all of that, God's saying, I'm still looking for you. And when you find God, we're not asking you to find religion or find church or find a bunch of tradition. We're asking you to find Jesus alone. He'll take care of the rest. So we're all going to pray out loud together. So no one has to pray alone. We're all going to pray a salvation prayer together. As the prayer partners come and get in place, they're going to serve us all communion. And I'll give those instructions here in just a moment. But right where you're sitting with every head bowed and every eye closed, everyone repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive all of my sin and save me. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit so I can know you, your goodness, your love, your peace, and your purpose. Thank you for new life. I give you all of mine. Your word says that I'm not renovated. I'm made brand new. So I declare that today, that I am brand new. I have new life. And I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. All God's people give God the loudest praise you've given Him all day. Come on. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you're going to leave here today, and guess what? All the problems you had out there are still there waiting on you. But guess what's changed? Everything in here. Does it mean you're not going to yell at your kids anymore? No, you might yell more. Does it mean that your boss will be nice? Nope, they're still terrible. 
Does it mean that traffic is going to get better? No, everyone's still moving here. All of those things are still there. But you know what is true? The Prince of Peace has now taken up residence in your soul. And heaven's having a party. Come on, you can give him praise for that. Heaven's having a party right now. So everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. Let me give you some instruction. We take communion every Sunday as a church. And the way we do it is we have these matzo bread, gluten-free crackers that you'll, they're pre-chopped up for you and you'll take one and you dip it in the juice and you eat it. And it's a reminder of the body of Christ that was broken for you and the blood of Christ that was shed for you. It is simply a reminder of you received something you didn't deserve. And there's something powerful about these moments. Don't let it just turn into tradition for you. This is a very spiritual moment. And when you take that bread and you dip it and you eat it, you're remembering the sacrifice of your Savior you've now received. And then after you take communion, you'll grab one of these candles and on the bottom or the top, depending on what style it is, if you twist it, it'll turn on. And the band's gonna sing a song while we're taking communion. And then after that, you'll take, your, you'll take your candle back to your seat. And then we're going to sing three of your favorite Christmas carols uh, with some battery operated candles because we're in a school and they don't like us having fire in here for some reason. And so just pretend. It's gonna be a beautiful moment. So Father, do something in our hearts in this beautiful moment as we talk about heaven coming to earth as we sing how joys come to the world, may we never forget the power of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. There are four stations. Pick the one that's closest to your section. You're free to come receive communion and grab your candle. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.